James's message. And I pray for people in hospitals right now and help them. And, and amen. 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 All right. Isaiah, I gave the verse out. Y'all can stay where y'all at. It's Isaiah 40, verse 8. I wanted to read this verse before we get started diving into God's Word because I want y'all to understand the importance of when we read God's Word. What does it say there for us, Allie, in Isaiah uh, chapter 40, verse number 8? The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of our God remains forever. Just know when you're studying God's Word, uh, it is something that's eternal. It is something when we open it up, it has the capabilities to change your life because you're reading truth. Just know that when we open up God's Word, not to take it lightly, uh, the grass going to wither, uh, the flower is going to fade, but the Word of the Lord will stand forever. Uh, just know you have a great opportunity when you open up God's Word to really change your life. Uh, in Isaiah, chat, Ben, do you want to read your verse real quick? So, Mary, Did You Know is kind of the subject or the title of t- tonight's message. I know you all heard the song probably over and over and over again. We're not going to break the song down. But I'm just wondering if Mary really knew uh, some of the important things that were taking place in her life. Number one was the idea of Mary, did she really know that she was fulfilling prophecy? Did she really know she was fulfilling prophecy? Now, we're going to see later on to see if that's true. But number one, Mary, did you know that, that you would be a part of fulfilling prophecy? And Isaiah uh, Ben's going to read us a verse. It's Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. What does it say there for us, Ben? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. Go ahead and read for us, Jacob Blackwell. We're going to go through our passage. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. All right, so it's going to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ in the, in the book of Matthew. But we see that this just wasn't something that happened. It wasn't just an afterthought. We see that it was told before time. We see in Isaiah, and there's some specifics to it. It would be a virgin birth that would come, and it would be a sign unto you. So in Matthew, we're going to see the account of the birth. Is it going to fit with what prophecy said it would be? We've learned two weeks ago on a Wednesday night that God is the promise keeper. So when God makes a promise, when God uh, uses his prophets to prophesy what would take place, we know it's going to happen. Let's see if it happens in Matthew Chapter 1, verse number 18, go ahead and read Jacob Blackwell. It's in his account of Jesus' birth. What does it say? His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. All right, verse number 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. All right, so during this time period, the culture and the Jewish uh, uh, in this time, the custom was that you would be a spouse to a wife. There would be a time period, how, however it would take place, where you would be a spouse to a wife. During that time, you would be uh, legally binded as married, even though you were not uh, living together, even though you were on your own. It was kind of like this waiting period. We almost would say in, in a roundabout way, possibly like we would view uh, an engagement kind of deal or something like that. But it was, an, it was a time period where they could deem if the woman would be faithful. During that time. And the man had basically all the rights to be able to be like, all right, well, listen, she wasn't faithful. I could divorce her. I could do whatever. And it would be gone away. It was this weird little one year about time period where they could see the the wife that they were espoused to 
uh, would be faithful. So that's why this comes up when you talk about why he wanted a divorce. So what could happen during the time of this espousal when this arrangement, we don't know uh, marriage arrangements as much today as it was more accustomed back then. Uh, women today have way more rights than you ever uh, could think of back in the day. And just to let you know, it was no activist that did that. It was Jesus Christ when he came on this earth that really established all that for you. So if you ever go read back, just see the way that Jesus dealt with women in a time period when women weren't dealt with uh, nicely at all. Just a little side thing there. But we're going forward here. That's why you're going to see why he wanted to divorce her because they were in that period. And wait, she's pregnant. Wait, we're, we're, we haven't been together. Like, what, what's going on? Again, we're going to draw back to the prophecy. It'd be a virgin birth. Go ahead and keep reading, uh, Jacob Blackwell. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Wow. So again, Joseph is going to get some... Uh, clarification from the angel of the Lord. And if we go back in there, we actually get to see the type of man that Joseph was. Joseph did love Mary. If you notice, he could have done this very publicly and shamefully and been like, she was unfaithful. But it says that he wanted to do it away. See, just, just let's get this dealt with. We'll, you know, we'll do the paperwork and we get everything and you can just go on your way. It is a cool element there that we get to see that Joseph actually did care for Mary. It was just like, man, what's going on? And the angel confirms, hey, look, she hasn't done anything uh, unfaithful. Verse number 21, go ahead and keep reading, Jacob. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from the curse of the Verse number 22. Isn't that so amazing? Again, I just want to reaffirm to you, when God says something, when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. Mary here... Uh, getting to be a part of God fulfilling prophecy through her. So one, Mary, did you know that you'd be fulfilling prophecy? We're going to dive into a second one, and this is where we're going to pretty much ballpark the rest of tonight. We can go ahead and keep, uh, we won't read there. Go ahead and flip to Romans now. We're going to flip to Romans. We're going to hit our second point. Uh, That one was kind of more of just a uh, slam dunk. We see it all the time, prophecy. Uh, You can't really go wrong just showing where... Uh, it was said in time past in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament. But Matt, I'll go ahead and keep flipping to Romans. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to start in verse number 12. We're going to have a little bit of an example here to help tie together this point that we're going to go through because I don't want y'all to get lost in it. But it is very important. It's, it's, it's an, a little more added to your collection of understanding why a virgin birth is, is so important. Number, number one of why it's so important is because it was a miracle. It, it was something that would only give God the glory. There would be no uh, possibility for man to take glory in this action. For man could say, man, listen, we conceive uh, our, uh, the Savior. No, there would be no chance for man to have his say in this. It would only be in a situation miraculously where only God could get the glory. The next thing which I think is awesome is original sin. Original sin. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. And the way I worded this is, Mary, did you know that the child you would uh, give birth to would be born without original sin? James, what are you talking about original sin? Let's dive into that. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. What does it say there for me, Ben Pennington? Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and that through sin, so that spread to all men because all sin. Wait, how does sin enter the world according to Romans chapter 12? By one man. Who was the one man has sin entered into the world? Who is he referencing to? Adam. Adam, who being created without sin, we see back in Genesis, God created man and it was good. 
And we see the deception of the devil to deceive the woman. And if you go down, we can uh, dive through the story of Genesis. I mean, we're not going to jump back there, but we get to see that the devil deceives Eve, and then Eve eats of the fruit, and then, then Adam eats it. All right? So, I mean, just to kind of do a process of elimination here, uh, if we can think back, who actually sinned, as we would say, first? Woman. Woman! Thank you very much. Technically, according to the way that we would draw this in basic math, you go one, two, three, we see that Satan, number one, he got, uh, rebels against God out of jealousy in heaven. Number two, deceives woman, technically there, woman. And then number three, man. But here in Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, it says, as by one man. Why is it that Adam is held responsible here as the, uh, the one who allowed sin to enter in? We're going to uh, deal with something. I'm going, to, I'm going to use the example. Let's read through the verses, then we'll go through the example. Because so I'm telling you all, it's, it's going to help everything together. Romans chapter 13 it says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the multitude of Adam's transgression. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the multitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. What a reference. Verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift, for if through the offense of one, many are dead. What is the consequences of sin? Death. 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 There we go. Has any man avoided death? Do you know why? Because you're born with original sin. You are born with the consequence of sin. When you are born, you are born in a state of active rebellion against God. You're not born in an active state of desiring to, to keep your relationship with God and the ability to carry it through. Why? Because Adam, as your representative head of mankind failed in sin. And we see the doctrine that even if we were in his place, we would do the same thing. This idea of one representing all is not too foreign. Uh, we don't like the idea of one representing all and the idea of sin, but we love to take the idea that Christ died for all. So if you want to accept that Christ died for all, you actually got to understand, well, well, Adam's sin did have an effect on all also. We're going to see as we continue to study through this little passage in Romans, that's, that's the gist of the the what he's trying to convince Paul, he says, as one man sent into the world, as one man, the gift of grace is entered into the world. All right. So we're going to keep going to this to help explain it. Where's Levi right here? Let's just say Levi has, we'll say from Evan. I don't know if Evan's kind of low on the standing. So we might just go alley over here, alley this way. All right. Levi, just to help under, help you understand what we're talking about. Levi here is going to be the king of all these people. He is uh, Levi and all y'all are the Levites, all right? That fits pretty good, all right? So they're all Levites. So Levi can go over here to the land of the Blackwells. There are some vicious Blackwell people over there. You know, I don't know what, what's going on over there. But, but Levi can go over there to the Blackwell uh, country, the Blackwells over here. And Levi can come over here and say, and they can get in some sort of an argument with the people and say, I have declared war against you, the Blackwells. Now you tell me, is it going to be Jacob Blackwell who's against war or Levi? Or is it now the Blackwells are in war with the Levites? As the representative head, the decision of one had an effect on many in the same aspect. So even if Jacob says, well, I have nothing against the Blackwells, it doesn't matter. You're a Levite. You're at war with the Blackwells. 
In the same way where if a child were to be born of the Levite people, that child would be born at war against the Blackwells simply because they were born a Levite. So when we are born, because we are of Adam, we are born in a state of declared rebellion and war against God. We are prone to wander. We are prone to be deceived. That is the state of it is. You could say it's fair or not fair, but let me tell you something. If you believe it's fair that Christ can die for all, you have to understand it is also fair that the sin of one can have an effect for all. As the federal headship, Adam, fell in the same way we would see as a king, as a representative, it had an effect down the line, down the people. That's how we see, it says, from the generations, it kept going. It could not be fixed. No one could keep the law. And again, I I try to show the people that that here's the law, and they said, well, we'll try and keep it, but really the law was just there to show you you needed a Savior, and we're going to keep going down later with that. But we keep going, verse number 15. Does that help you with the idea of this original sin, the federal headship? You have Adam, and you have uh, uh, Christ. Well, we're going to see the Christ headship, but verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. So it's talking about how one can have the effect to all. For through the offense of one, many be dead. We see Adam. Y'all following with me? The consequence. Anybody avoid death? No, because why? You're born in original sin. There will be no man who will avoid death. Why? Born in the sin consequence. We keep going down. So much more, though, the grace, the gift by God, which by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. Tell me how the Christ could be born without original sin if he was conceived by man and not a virgin. Why is the virgin birth important? Because Christ was not born in original sin like you were. So if you have some sort of conversation or you hear these people that are talking nowadays and they want to try and make the Bible make sense in in science, and let me tell you something, science answers to God. Your theology, your doctrine is not based off of what science confirms what you want it to be because let me tell you something, your opinions can change. Science is ever more developing, but just so you understand, the virgin birth is important because he who knew no sin became sin because he was not born into original sin like you were. Why is that so important? Because number three, Mary, did you know that within, that you would be bearing, that you would give birth to the spotless Lamb of God? Why is it so important? Exodus chapter 12, the spotless Lamb of God. Flip to, well, y'all, y'all uh, flip to Exodus chapter 12 for me. Is this, is this making sense to you guys? All right, hopefully it is. I'm not trying to tell you anything that's not in Scripture. We're going to keep going through this. Why is it so important? The, the, the original sin, y'all. Christ was not born into the original sin as we were. Um, we'll come back to Romans. Just someone remember for me because it does tie a little bit more towards the end. Uh, but y'all go ahead and flip to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Y'all let me know when y'all are there. Good, good. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. We're going to start in verse number 1. Verse number 1. Uh, go ahead and read it for me, Alan. Okay. Exodus 12, right? Exodus 12, verse number 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, uh, This month shall be unto the beginning of the month. This shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto the congregation. Hear this, y'all. Saying, the tenth day of the month, they shall take every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for the house. 
And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him uh, take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Verse number six, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. James, that, that does not sound good. That does not sound pleasing. What did the lamb do? Why is it being slain? Jesus who knew no sin became sin. That doesn't seem fair. Y'all following with me? Why is it important? We're going to see in verse number 7, Don't y'all love that, the lamb without blemish? And they shall take the blood, and they shall strike it upon the two side posts in the upper door of the house, wherein they shall eat. Why would the door on the outside of the blood on the door, what would that do in verse number 12? For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. I will smite the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute my judgment. I am the Lord. Verse number 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house wherein you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So here comes the death angel going house to house. We'll we'll kill each firstborn, a judgment upon God for the sins of what was going on in Egypt. Going door to door. But when the death angel came to the door and there was blood on the post of the spotless uh, lamb... What would the death angel do? Would pass on by. Why? Because the blood covered a full atonement for that household who should be deserving of that death that was coming. In the same way, Mary, who was going to give birth to the perfect spotless lamb of God, flip the Hebrews. Let's see how that's going to tie. Flip the Hebrews. Here we go. Flip the Hebrews. Why is it so important? Why is it so important for the lamb to be without spot, to be without blemish? An example I would kind of give, it's not a, it's not a great example, but I think it's it's a generally decent idea for you to get the idea uh, just through your head. Let's say, for instance, uh, I, I'm, on, I'm on death row. Let's just say I, I was, I, I'm on death row. I, I'm going to be executed. All right? For me to avoid death row, is it really going to help me that I'm hanging out with the other guys on death row? Levi, you guess they didn't run your country too good. I don't know what happened. All right. So me and Levi, and I'm saying, man, I, I don't want to go through this. I would, I would prefer not to die at the end. Do you mind helping me? And he says, dude, I'm on death row too. Like, what, what do you want me to do? I mean, switch when we go maybe? I, I don't know. And so he goes, I, I can't help you. And I said, okay, well, hey, Allie, you're on death row too. You want to help me out? I don't want to go through this. But no, I'm on death row. And before you know it, I'm going around and all these people are on death row. In the same fashion, our salvation cannot be found in anyone with original sin. We're all on death row. We need someone who's not on death row. Why? We need a perfect spotless lamb to cover our sins, to take our place, because we can't do it on. There's no one else. Why does the virgin birth matter? Because it needed to be a spotless lamb of God, because it would be a full atonement sacrifice that would go across your life potentially, so that way you could have a relationship with God. And whenever he looks upon you, he doesn't see you in your filth, but he sees his blood paid in full. Why is it so important? Hebrews, uh, Hebrews. did I give you all a chapter yet? Hebrews chapter, let's go with chapter 9. Let's go with chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Is this, is this flowing? Good. I, I don't want to lose you in any of this. If you, if you have questions, let me know and we'll, we'll make sure we fix all those loose ends because this is definitely not one of those doctrines that's really 
easy to slay. It's pretty straightforward when you look at it. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 14. Uh, actually, I like this. Let's, uh, let's go to verse number 11, all right? And the only reason I'm reading is because we have a lot of verses, so I'm just trying to, trying to roll through here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 11. This is cool. But Christ... Being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Verse number 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Mary, did you know that, that you would give birth to the spotless Lamb of God that would pay in full the sins of the world? Would give birth to the one who, unlike all other births that took place, were on death row, one who was not on death row. Through Adam's disobedience came death. Through Christ's obedience came forth life. So the idea when we can flip, and I'm just, I'm, let, me, let me go ahead and read. I'm going to give you all some reverence. For those who are writing down, let me give you a couple more if you think I'm going crazy. You can go to Leviticus, not the Levites, but Leviticus, not, not him, but Le- Leviticus chapter 3. You can go there, and you can go to chapter 4. It is all of these uh, references to the specifics of the blood sacrifices and why it was so important. One, when they were doing the sacrifices in Old Testament, they were temporary, pointing to a coming Savior. That's why it's mentioned here so much more than those temporary sacrifices. You had to do it every year. You had to keep atoning for your sins. But when Christ died on the cross, there was the full atonement. It was paid in full. So you have those in Leviticus. You, uh, you also have a reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. I'm going to read that for you all just so you all can understand. Uh, to see what Christ actually did when he was on the cross for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. It says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us. Wait, wait, who? Christ. Why? Because he who knew no sin, he who was not born in original sin, he who could save the world, who could pay the full atonement, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So when Christ paid for your sins, you in unrighteousness can be declared righteous if you apply the blood upon your life. Accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior. In the same way the Egyptians would slay the God and put it on their doorpost. They themselves were sinners, wicked, on death row. There was nothing they could do. But the blood of the spotless lamb when passing by would take the place or the punishment that was to come to pass on by. We're going to flip to Galatians just so we can close out. I guess we'll close out tonight the best we can. Go to Galatians. We're actually going to do maybe one more reference. We'll see. i got to see all my time. Man, we're, we're slamming through this. Galatians chapter... Galatians chapter... Three. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. While y'all are flipping there, I'm, I'm just going to read y'all one more bonus verse because I don't want to leave y'all in the dark. Uh, let's see here. 1 John 2, 2. Those who are writing down if you, if you are. This is talking about Christ. 1 John 2, 2 says, And He is the 
propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. How can that be? Spotless Lamb of God. You might be saying, well, James, where where do we get to see that that Jesus is the spotless uh, Lamb of God? We actually get a reference in John. There's actually a couple of them in the Gospels, but I too love this one. John the Baptist, the forefront, the runner, the spokesperson, to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, the, the coming Savior, says this, The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him, and he saith, Behold the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sin of the world. Galatians, well, getting close to closing out. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Is it, have we been flipping too much? Are you all fine with this? All right. All right, not five. I said four, huh? Yeah, Galatians chapter 4. Okay. One. Oh, is it three? Oh, sorry. Three. My fault. My bad, my bad. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We saw in Isaiah that it was uh, prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin. Did you know that there's also a reference shortly after the fall of man? I'm going to give you all that in Genesis chapter 3. You're going to think I'm crazy, uh, but it's right there. It is right there for us. And when the, I'm just going to read this verse for Brother Jerome. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she ate first, okay? Just, just for Brother Jerome over there. But down the line, after the fall of man that takes place, I want you all to see this. The fall of man takes place. I want you all to see the promise of God immediately after. Here's in verse number 14 of Genesis chapter 3. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Verse number 15, so key. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. What? And between your seed and her seed. Wait, where's, where's Adam at? What, what are we talking about? His seed and your seed. It shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Satan, your best attempt at me is a little nibble. But through the seed of the woman whom you've deceived, the Messiah is going to come. Not from the sin of man, not from the sin of Adam. There will be another one who will come. and He'll be the Messiah, the Christ, the Jesus. Adam who fell and was disobedient, created good. In a relationship, God chose the other way. The Messiah is going to come without original sin, but He's going to obey the law completely. He's going to be the perfect spotless lamb to pay for the sins of the world. Wow. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Alright, James, well this, this whole thing about why it's so important about the virgin birth, well it's again here in, in Galatians, y'all. This is crazy. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 10. Uh, let's see here. I flipped to the wrong page. Galatians 3, chapter 10. Let's go ahead and have... We'll have some. Kate, you want to read that one for us? Wait, well, who are the ones who are under the law? How many of y'all have kept the law? How many of y'all can keep the Ten Commandments? Even if you so chose today, going forward, I am going to keep all the Ten Commandments, would you still be clean? If you were somehow possible, which you can't, from this day going forward, be able to keep the law? No, why? Because you've already broken it. You've already broken it. That's what it's making a reference there for. Kate, read that one more time. What does it say there? Whoa, okay, okay, so, so for the, the spotless Lamb of God to come, 
Meaning when Christ came, he could fulfill the law completely. Meaning when he was born, he was not already born in a state as we are declared in rebellion against God. We who aren't even capable of keeping the law, even if we so wanted to, the Christ came being able to because he did not have the sin we did from Adam. You're going to see why it's important. I'm going to keep going. Uh, Go ahead and keep reading, Kate. All right, we're going to jump down to verse number 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. The law was not bad. What was the law's purpose? For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily, rightly so, the law would have been given. Meaning if the law could give life, why isn't it? If you you really think it's what you do, then start keeping the law and see if you're going to die or not. Even the people who seem very pious around the world and whatever religions they choose to do and they seem to achieve a level of greatness, they all end up dying. So I understand the idea of maybe trying to obtain a law, but that law is not even giving you life. Still leading to death. We drop down, we keep going. Uh, But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed meaning the sacrifice is coming with a Savior come. Verse number 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by our faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. What was the law supposed to do to teach us, to show us we needed a Savior and we couldn't keep it? But there is going to come a Messiah, the spotless Lamb of God, who will keep it and will be the full atonement for our sins. Uh, The last reference I have, golly, if I can... Find it in my notes. Galatians chapter 4. I knew I had a Galatians chapter 4. Just flip over here. Galatians chapter 4. Verse number 3. Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. Guys, it is all over Scripture. You cannot avoid the idea that you are born in a sinful nature. You are born in a, in a state of war against God. Verse number 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. Don't y'all love this wording? Made of a woman. Not man. Woman. And it says underneath that last phrase, made under the law. So when Christ was here on earth, came in with no original sin, made under the law, but unlike us who could not keep it, He so did. So whenever He died on the cross, He was the full atonement for our sins. He was not on death row like we were. He can't save us for those who are on death row. We're going to flip. I say flip. We have another reference for those who are writing down Luke. We're not going to go there. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 37. It's again another reference to whenever uh, the angel is speaking to Mary. And you can even see, she says, for what is impossible to God, because the idea she's just told she's going to conceive, and she says, I've known no man. And then she says, but nothing is impossible with God. Again, that miraculous birth that's taking place, why is it so important? We've already discussed that. But our, our last little point, I guess we can flip, is uh, let's go to the Rome, Romans chapter 5. Just flip to Romans chapter 5. We'll go there. Damn. I'm surprised we were able to get it done tonight, but we, I think we did. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm just going to read, read this little snippet of the passage. And again, hopefully your eyes will be illuminated to what everything we've been talking about and you can see it all uh, 
for what it's worth. Verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man centered into the world, now you're understanding what's taking place. In death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses over them that had not sinned after the multitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not an offense, so also is the free gift. For through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God, the gift of grace, which by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was to one condemnation, but the gift is the many justification. Y'all, we've been studying that word. Is that amazing? The gift of grace makes you fully justified in the eyes of a holy God. Meaning you are declared righteous, Kate, even though you've done absolutely nothing righteous. The only reason you're declared righteous is the blood of uh, Christ is poured over your life. Paid in full. So we're saying there, that's what the gift of grace gave. What did, the, what did uh, uh, Adam, death, Christ, grace, declared righteous, life. We keep going. For if by one man's offense, death reigned, by one much more when received abundance of grace in the gift of righteousness that shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Through one headship, Adam's death. Through the other headship, Christ is life. Verse number 18. Therefore, as by the offenses of one, judgment comes to all men to condemn. Meaning you are born condemned. You are born having to, uh, your sins being paid for and you going down that path of trying to pay for it on your own. Like death row. Therefore, as the offense of one, judgment came to all men. Condemnation. But even so much more, the righteousness of one, Jesus, the free gift came upon men unto justification into life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. We close tonight with this, hopefully, presentation of you understanding that you, born in original sin, are in need of a Savior. You are in need, just like the Egyptians. I mean, back the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, needed the blood of the spotless lamb. It was temporary. You permanently, Christ died on the cross. And if you would so like it to be applied, your life, God can look upon you and see the righteousness of his son and not your sins. James, but, but it says there, you know, all men are saved. I, I'm just banking on the idea that God's a good God. Don't you think it's interesting? God told them to apply the blood to their door. The blood that Jesus spelled, spilt on the cross is for all, but it doesn't mean it's immediately applied. Y'all following with me? The blood spilt is in need of it being applied to your doorpost, to your home. What Christ did was final. Whose headship you choose to be under? One, the headship of Adam, says condemnation, death, disobedience. But the price was paid and you've been bought out, redeemed. If you would like, so choose for it to be applied to you. You don't have to be identified under the headship of Adam anymore, but you can be identified and under the headship of Christ, which gives life, justification, grace, and so much more. So the question tonight, if you were to uh, rest your final breath, whose headship would you be under? Because one is condemnation, the other one is life more abundant. If you are not sure where you would go uh, when you die, please come talk to me after this. I am not one of those who's just going to try and get you to 
to say yes or say a prayer, but I would like to show you what it looks like to have a relationship with God. But let me tell you something. Everything has already been done and complete. What Christ did on the cross is in full. All you have to do is accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Repent of your life the same way we see here. Repent of your headship under Adam and accept your new headship under Christ. All the work is done. And immediately on that moment, the blood applied to your life, just like we've been talking about, you stand righteous in the eyes of a holy God. That's up to you. Will you apply the blood to your life? Does the virgin birth really matter? I don't know. You guys tell me. What does the scripture say? It seems to me it really, really does. Hopefully when you hear the song, Mary, did you know? Maybe you can remember some of these little things. Again, if you have questions or anything, come talk to me. I'm sure to show you all uh, some things more in scripture. That's the best I can do in the time I got. Y'all good with that? All right, good deal.